Second Timothy, please, if you're, if you're reading along with us. We're going to be making some statements today of faith, and we're going to be preaching from Paul. And this is a man who, who can say the statement that we're going to be looking at today, that, that in life and in ministry we're going to face much hardship. But Paul found one to be faithful, one who would stand with him when everybody else forsook him. And this is a statement that comes from a man who, who knew this firsthand. When everybody else forsook him, even when death was upon him, he could testify to young Timothy and to you and I today that in life and in ministry, regardless who forsakes you, there's going to be one who's going to stand with you. That's our theme this morning. Um, I, I, I believe that, that you've come prepared to um, receive from God this morning. And There's many wounded Christians today throughout the land. Maybe people have deserted them. Maybe not just didn't turn up when they should have turned up, said the wrong thing. Like there's many, many things that have come that, that, that has hindered the people of God. But I want us to see something this morning that should fire us up to continue on and serve the Lord to the very end. Because he promises if we stand firm for him, he will never leave us nor forsake us and he will stand beside us. Is that something to start us off? So, so 2 Timothy chapter 4 this morning, please. Of course, we're continuing on our, our series, Living as God Intends. Our title this morning is simply this, Live with the Knowledge of Christ by Our Side. A quite a simple title, but if you get that into your heart, there's nobody will hold you back. If you can live and understand that everything you seek to do in life for the Lord, he's with you. Not something. He'll stand by us. Praise the Lord. So 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to just read, I'm going to be looking at the, the first, from six, verse 6 to 17, but I'm just going to read from verse 4 to 10 this morning. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. For, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. This is a victor's crown which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day. But not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Verse 9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. So, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts this morning, that we would leave here both enlightened and encouraged, that, Father, although life would throw some hard blows at us, that, Father, although people may sometimes let us down, Lord God, that you promise the Father bring us through, that, Lord, in them days where we feel that we can't um, go, go on, that, Lord, you will carry us in them days. Lord, the days that we feel that we're on top of the world, that, Father, it's in them days you still guide us. So, God, I pray for a fresh Lord, Lord, awakening to each of us this morning. Lord, to understand that you didn't just save us to leave us, God, that you saved us to, to bring us on a journey. Lord, a journey of faith. A journey where you get to, to show your faithfulness, Lord, to us. And Father, we know from our own testimony that, God, you are a faithful God. Father, you always turn up. God, you're always there just at the right time, Lord, Lord you bring us through. So, Father, I do pray for that this morning. That, Lord, you would help us to see, Lord, who you are 
and how a, what a faithful God indeed you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, church. Give us an amen back, please. Amen. It's very daunting here. I can't see your faces. I don't know if you're sleeping, making funny faces, sticking your tongue out. I don't know what you're doing. So we need some sort of um, some comeback. Amen. Amen. It also stops you from falling asleep. I don't get to sleep up here. I have to stay awake. All right, David? Listen, over the four or five weeks, past four or five weeks, we've been looking at Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52 is all about restoration. There's not one person in this church this morning that doesn't need a bit of restoration in their lives. Every one of us is in that box. None of us is above it. And what we've seen in this, that God had spoken to Israel, his people, and it was their time it was their time to, to walk free. Their time of captivity had come to an end. It was time for them to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the holy city. But what we did see in this is that the people were spiritually asleep. asleep. It's amazing how we can become cold and spiritually asleep when we're so used to sin all around us. That was Israel. They were deposited in Babylon. All they knew and see every day was, was, was an apathy towards God, a disregard towards God. But the time had come for them to awaken and the bit that I love it was for them to start living life as God intended them to live. And that's been our message, that it's time for the believer to awaken and to start to live the life that God has for them, the life that God has for you and for me. We need to take our place in the ministry of Christian service. I presume it's still the same. When I first got saved, I was told I'm part of God's army. It's now my job to ensure that good news my own testimony with everybody else. I presume that's still the same, is it? We, we have a, a message to share. We, we've encountered Christ and we need to share this encounter with the world. Today I want us to consider some of the challenges of Christian service. And when I speak of Christian service, I'm speaking of our lives. That involves changing nappies for some of us. It involves going to work, building houses. It, it's, it's everything that we are as Christians. Our ministry is in, th in and through everything that we do. It's not just Sunday it's not just Wednesday now, it needs to be Tuesday. Do you understand? It's, it's, it's everything that you are in Christ is your ministry. If you choose to hear the call and to live for Christ. So I want to consider some of the challenges that come in Christian service. We looked last time of the need of separation from the world for the life of the believer. Today we get to meet a man who failed to heed that warning. He, he didn't separate himself from the Lord. He was used greatly in ministry. And we get to see some of the consequences that, that follow. We're not looking too deeply at Demas, but he's here. I'm going to, going to highlight it. But, but in 2 Timothy, what we see is this, that the Apostle Paul is equipping Timothy, the young pastor, for ministry. He's equipping him for the life that Paul's already led and experienced. And he's telling Timothy what to expect, what he can do. He's educating them how to remain faithful. Paul wants Timothy to learn from him. It's not something, he's a disciple. We learn from Christ, we learn from the scriptures, we learn from Paul. Paul says to imitate him as he imitates Christ. And Paul wants Timothy to learn from his experience. What does he want him to learn? He wants him to learn how to endure hardship. I wasn't told about hardship when I was told I need saved. Were you? I was told about good stuff. The Lord loves you. Come on and get saved. Your life will be, be great. And now it's been great. But I wasn't told about the hardships. I suspect neither were you. There's hardships. So Timothy, or Paul wants Timothy to learn to endure hardship. Learn to stand firm and defend the gospel. Not his heritage, 
not what he was, his culture or what he was brought up with, but the gospel, what the word of God says. The importance of never denying it. To learn to stand firm and to never be ashamed of it. And these are the same principles for you and I today. To learn to remain humble when people would try to exalt him as a mighty man of God. But there's a counteract to that. Also to be strong when people would oppose him and seek to discredit him and pull him down. Has that ever happened to you in your walk? People would try to discredit you as a Christian. Well, it's part of the Christian journey. And it's what Paul wants Timothy to do, to acknowledge that he can thrive and stand strong in the things of God. Now, every believer is called into ministry. And it's wonderful. For many years, it, it sort of become about the pastor's role, didn't it? That, that that's the man who's called him to ministry. What a lie. He's called to equip the saints for ministry. Isn't that right? To equip the saints to go out and to win and to serve Christ. There's some who are called to evangelism. Some who are called to simply teach the scriptures, to do children's work, to, to be a mother, a father, whatever it is. But we're all missionaries. Some of you have been sent to schools, to factories, to hospitals. Maybe in your own home you're a missionary. Maybe the homes that you, through your work, are allowed into. Well, you're a missionary in that role. Where we are placed every week is where God has us to be in ministry. There's a thought for you. We're all in ministry and it's not an easy calling. Anybody who has served the Lord is very slow to criticize others who serve the Lord. I remember saying to the men, uh, when people would criticize preachers for preaching, or, or men, lay preachers, I would always say, well, we'll give them a date. Give them a, give them a time to come and share. And I promise you one thing, they will never, ever criticize another man for preaching again. And that's what it is to be in the ministry. You don't, you don't criticize your fellow brothers and sisters. You, you thank God for them because you know how hard it is, you see? When you're in the ministry, when you're serving God with your life, you be encouraged and you be glad to see men or women of God by your side. You know this, right? You know this. Men and women in the ministry. Ministry is hard. And the Apostle Paul doesn't try to hide the fact, as some do. And Paul understood that his time of departure was at hand. He was about to die. And Timothy needed to understand the hardships, the disappointments that come in life and in the ministry. And in 2 Timothy, Paul finishes the letter we've just read, sharing some of his personal hardships and his personal disappointments. And by, by doing so, he wants Timothy to know that when times get hard, when there's nobody there that can really help, or perhaps even cur, that Christ will always turn up. And you see, that's his, that's his message in a nutshell. That when you feel forsaken, or you feel that, that everything's against you, that Christ will always turn up. And that's also when death comes knocking to your door. The scriptures portray that we're going to look at that. He'll be with us right to the end. And that's something that we need to believe and accept and understand. Christ will always turn up. And that's our message today. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, Christ will stand by us and with us. Amen, church. Christ will stand by us and with us. And listen, there'll be times come in our life when we will need to hear that more than others. There will be times come in your life when you will be so thankful that you, if you've listened today, that you will be mindful that, that when everybody else perhaps can't help or has forsaken you, that you, if you can just hear that whisper that, that Christ promises to stand by you and with you, that'll be enough to bring you through. 
truth is that, that, that Paul has written to help all the Timothys in this church. What's a Timothy? It's a person who desires to serve the Lord. It's a person who has said they're going to take up the mantle and they're going to serve the Lord. And at times, Christian ministry is hard. So our message today is simply living with the knowledge that Christ is by our side. Our key verses, verse 17, if you're taking notes, write the title, write the verse 17, it should be enough to bring you through. But the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. The Lord stood with me and he strengthened me when all else forsook me. The Lord stood with me. Church, that's a wonderful message. From a man who didn't just preach it, come out of Bible college, but a man who lived it, was facing death for it, he could say out of testimony, not out of intellect, out of testimony, the Lord stood with me and he strengthened me. And there's a message for you this morning. It's a message for me. And you know there are times when every believer will need help. Believe it or not, we like to be wee islands and independent, but we need each other. And if lockdown has showed us anything, it's the importance of fellowship. It's the importance that even, even though we don't get to talk with each other, but to see each other, there's something about having fellowship with one another. Even the Apostle Paul needed the help of other believers. And in our text, we see that Paul was in need of some encouragement. He was in prison. He was awaiting trial. He was accused of being a, a troublemaker. Imagine a Christian troublemaker for preaching the gospel in Rome. And here, this is his charge. He was about to appear, appear before Nero. And yes, you know that, that Nero was the leader of Rome. The one who used Christians as streetlights. This was Nero. And imagine you being a Christian, preaching the gospel, and you're going to go before Nero. Don't even waste your money on a solicitor. It's over. Isn't that right? It's gone. It's over. And what we see is Paul was feeling the weight of this. In verse 6 and, six and 7, Paul says, listen, this is a man who's come to terms where he's at. He's facing Nero. There's no hope. His time's up. God's put it in his spirit. This is it. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is near. The King James Version says this, For I am now ready to be offered. Write that down. I am now ready to be offered. Paul was ready to die. He was ready to stand before God. And you know, in Amos chapter 4 and verse 12, there's a message for every generation. Prepare to meet thy God. And there's a message for every one of us in this church and beyond these walls in what Paul said then. Prepare to meet your God. The Apostle Paul had a personal encounter with Christ. He had a testimony first and foremost. He had repented of his sin and listen, he had received a pardon because it's the good news of the gospel where we sinners like you and I, we get to sing praises unto God because he has chose to die for us and forgive us and give us a pardon. It's a wonderful news. We should rejoice really. We don't deserve anything, only what we should deserve, which is eternal punishment because we're totally rebellious from day one. I know better, and it's my way, isn't it? It's, it's the nature of the man. But Paul had received pardon. He was ready to die. He was prepared to die. And you know, I would ask each of you, gently today, perhaps, when death comes knocking at your door, when it's your time to, to, to go, your time's up, will you be like Paul and be ready? It's a question that you need to answer. We all had to prepare to come to church today, didn't we? There's a preparation for everything in life including death. And that's what Paul is, we're pulling out from this, that we need to be ready, as Paul was. You know, Christ died for your sin, and a simple repentance towards God for your sin, not the sin of your forefathers, your sin. In faith in Christ, you can receive a pardon too. 
And like Paul, you too can be prepared for death. And I want to leave that with you this morning. Be prepared. Don't be caught out. It's a simple thing. You know if you've had a personal encounter with Christ, have you dealt with your sin? Now, Paul likens his approaching death as an offering. We know through scriptures that offering is a sacrifice. That's what it speaks of. So what we see here is that, that Paul is about to sacrifice his life for God. The tradition tells us that, that he was in fact beheaded for his faith. It's not in the Gospels or in Scripture, but tradition tells us that. And he wasn't beheaded because he killed a man or perhaps robbed a man. He was killed because he preached the love of God. He preached that Christ died for the ungodly, that the ungodly could receive a pardon. That Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself so that you and I could be forgiven and be at peace with God. That was his message. But the world didn't want to hear it. And that's what he died for. You know, what a price Jesus paid for our souls. But listen, what a price paid for his ministry. Paul paid for his ministry. You see that? What a price Christ paid. But what a price Paul paid for his ministry. You know, when Paul received the Macedonian call, the gospel was brought into Europe. And it's how you and I are saved today. Through this man's faithfulness and ministry. Think about, about that. Through this man coming into Europe and the gospel spread, that's how we're saved today some, what, 2,000 years later. And I want to say this. To serve the Lord will cost you and it will cost me. A ministry involves sacrifice. You put up slide two, please, Stuart. I want to quote um, John Butler. And he said this. There is a price to pay for consecrated service, and few they are that are willing to pay it. The price may not be martyrdom, but it will be something that involves great sacrifice. Do you know, there may be things in our life that must go before God can unleash the full anointing into our lives and ministry. What's hindering you in your life? What's stopping God from pouring out that fullness into your life that's holding you back from, from rejoicing? from sharing the gospel? Is there something in your life? Is there something in my life that, that is hindering the flow of God? Because ministry costs, and if we're serve, serving God, and it, it's all in our conditions, is there something wrong, perhaps? Is there something wrong? If it's, if it's all around our timetable, if it's all to do with our, what suits us, there's no sacrifice involved. There's no, there's no offering involved. I, I guess there's something not right. And there's something missing in our lives. Separation from the world will cost us now, but you know what? It'll pay dividends later, won't it? And Paul was about to inherit, as the Bible talks about, a heavenly treasure. He had died to this life and all its empty promises. It's something that I struggle to do, yet I suspect many of us do. There's so much more that we could let go of. But Paul understood the sacrifice of ministry and what it was to be crucified to this world. Listen to his words in verse 7. Just this one verse. Look at it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. So this tells us very quickly there's a fight to be fought. Are you fighting for your faith? There's a work to be completed. Are you involved? There's a faith to hold on to. There's one who wants to rob it from you. We're not even preaching that this morning. But there you go. There's one who wants to rob your faith from you. Paul says we need to hold on to it. Because there's people around us. There's people maybe perhaps beside us that want to hinder us, discourage us from the service of God. Slide three, please, Stuart. We know that Paul is known as a great apostle. He's known as a great missionary and church planter. 
He's known as the Bible teacher and the gospel preacher. But listen, we need to make no mistake about it. Paul was just a man. We sometimes forget these truths that he was just a man, but he was a man who understood that Christ was by his side in life and in ministry. He, was, he knew Christ and that Christ was a friend that, that sticketh closer than a brother. He never fails him, and he'll never fail you. Do you know that the Apostle Paul, like you and I, felt rejection? Does anybody like being rejected? Not one of us do. Paul faced it not only from the world, but from the church, and we read about that in Corinthians. There were those who rejected him as an apostle, undermined his preaching and authority to do so. And this was from the house of God as such. But Paul understood what it was to be beaten, and he felt pain, as you and I feel pain. Ministry's hard. I suspect that if many of us got a beating for the faith, I might not be back up in the pulpit again thereafter. My pride would be hurt, my ego would be hurt, I'd probably spend two weeks crying about it. Who knows? The truth is, we've, we've entered into a time where ministry doesn't cost. It's not sore, it's not painful anymore. And perhaps there's something wrong. Paul understood firsthand the hardships that come from the ministry. And he's trying to encourage this Timothy, a young pastor, to press on in the things of God. And if you look at verse 9, we, we start to dig deeper now. We start to see what's happening in, in the heart and in the life of this great apostle. We start to see what's going on. Look at verse 9, the first few, few lines. Do your best to come to me quickly. How many times have you and I read over that just like that? Do your best to come to me quickly. I'm having a bit of a shindig next week. If you're by, call in for a bit of crack. It was not that. Do your best to come quickly. I want you to see him in a new bathroom, a new kitchen. It was not that. Do your best to come quickly. Paul was now an aged man. He was imprisoned, and he was experiencing what many people in life today are experiencing, loneliness and discouragement in the ministry and in life. Loneliness and discouragement. Paul was lonely, and he was discouraged. Now listen to these words again. Do your best to come to me quickly, Timothy. Timothy, if you're able at all, come. I'm getting it tough. I'm getting it hard. Do you see the difference in our interpretation? Ministry's hard. Life is hard. Everything we do for the Lord in life as Christians is hard. Do your best to come quickly, Timothy. He goes on to say, for Demas, Demas, in love with this present world, think of them words, has deserted me and gone into Thessalonica. Church, there will be times in your life and ministry when people will desert you. Perhaps that's been from birth. Perhaps you haven't known the love of a parents in your life. Perhaps it's been this week, or a good friend, or somebody's deserted you. In life, there will be times when people will desert you. It's part of life. It's part of ministry. We need to hear these things and be encouraged in them that they're normal. I want you to notice it doesn't say that, that Paul doesn't say that, that Demas forsook the Lord. He says that, that Demas forsook Paul. People in our life, those perhaps who we rely on most sometimes will desert us. It's part of ministry. It's part of life. Listen, Demas was once a faithful partner with Paul in the ministry. He's only mentioned three times. Philemon 24 says this. Paul refers to Luke and Demas as fellow workers. Colossians 4, it says this. It's, like a degree, it's nearly like a, like, it's like a common way, but we're not going into that today. In Colossians 4, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. As does, as does Demas. 
Look what it says in our 2 Timothy 10. Demas has deserted me, having a love for this present world. He was a man who was a fellow worker. He'd just been mentioned with the workers to desertion. Is there, is there something in that? I don't know. We're not looking at it today. But we can see a decline in this mighty man that was serving God in the ministry. And here we see the importance of separation from the world. Because there's a love in the world that will pull you from the love of God. Now, Demas was once a man of God. Isn't he? he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. It's evidence. He wasn't just somebody that come along. He was saved. He knew the Lord. He partook in the work of the ministry. And at some point, the love that he had for the Lord and the work was replaced for a love for this present world. What does it mean that Demas deserted Paul because of the love of this present world? We don't really know, do we? We can only speculate. Perhaps it was a, a business opportunity, a promotion. Perhaps a woman. Sometimes a woman can cause a man to do very strange things. Perhaps it was that. Who knows? Maybe it was a thought of an easier life. We don't really know. One commentator said this, that Demas forsook the greatest missionary of the church. To forsake Paul meant that Demas also turned his back on the gospel of Christ. Demas had forsaken the faith. He had recanted Christianity. That's one man's view on it, that he totally went into total apostasy. Through the love of the Lord, he recanted Christ, turned his back, and went back to the world. That's one man's view of Demas. But I want you to notice the timing, because this is where it affects us. Demas forsook Paul when he was in a dungeon in Rome, about to be executed. Paul was perhaps, well, he was in his darkest hour, and he needed just some um, encouragement, some support, but, but Demas chose this time to leave him. You know, church, there will be times when you're at your lowest, and people will desert you in ministry. There will be times when you will be facing the wall, and the ones that you expected to be with you will, will forsake you. And that's what happened here. It happens in life and it happens in Christian service. But I believe Paul wants Timothy and the church to be warned about the way of Demas. There's a way of Demas. There's a love for the world. See, a love for the world can, can cause one to despise the ministry. Um, slide four, please, Stuart. John Piper, I want to quote him, a great man of God. If you like reading, read his books. Do you good. John Piper says this. There is a love for the world that is incompatible with Christian ministry. It's incompatible. It can't work together. You either have to leave the, the Christian ministry because you love the world so much, or you have to change the ministry. Notice that. Change the ministry to be worldly enough that you can survive in it because you love the world so much. Is it possible that across our land today that ministers are being changed, ministers being changed to suit the carnal nature? Because ministry is costly. It's hard. It shouldn't suit the natural desires of our flesh. But what is simply is this, that one cannot love the world and love the ministry. As Piper said, they're simply incompatible. And many have forsaken Christ out of a love for the world. And there's a wee warning in the way of Demas. Because Demas lost sight of eternity. That's about the, that's about the crux of it. And he chased after the temple. And the temple's exciting, isn't it? But who said you can't work and serve and build in this world and serve God? Nobody. But the Bible says if you seek the Lord first, his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added because he's first place. It's all about perspective. It's all about who you really worship. Is it, is it the things of the world or is it the Lord? And, and there's a, le a lesson in that alone. But, but many have followed his path. 
to live for the Lord, we must listen to him. And slide five, please. We just, just a couple of scriptures that help us just to get our eyes off the world. Colossians 3 says, set your affection on things above, not on the things of earth. Get your eyes off this. Get your eyes on to him. Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Isn't that right? If we love the Lord and the work, that's where our heart will be. And all other things will become second base. People will never ask you to do something on a prayer meeting night because they know that's a night they'll never get you. That's the way it used to be when I was growing up as a Christian in the last 17 years. There was a, there was a night that people, my mates and all, knew not to contact me. I learned that off the older men in the church and the women in the church. That was their night for the Lord. I'm not having to go about the midweek, by the way. Listen, I'm just using an example. Perspective was right. Set your affection on things above. But let us read together verse 10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. So here we see that Paul has been deserted by Demas. Crescens and Timothy is simply away and ministering in another town. And here we see that Paul needed encouraged and needed strengthened. But Crescens and Titus is out of town. And we need to understand too the difference between somebody who deserts us and somebody who's still our friend understand. We need to understand the difference. Sometimes friends are just unable to be there for us. Sometimes people will let us down, but it's not entirely their fault. And we need to have this room in our hearts. When we really need them to be, sometimes they're, they're not there. They're still friends, though. Because why? Friends will let friends down, but they're still friends. And we need to be careful that we don't cause division in our ministry, and our friendship with people, just perhaps they just couldn't be there at that specific time that we needed them to be there. It can be hard. But we see this in, in verse 11. If you're following with me, we're coming fast and end. I want to just bring this in. Listen to the words of verse 11. I want to bring you through this. He says, Paul says, Luke alone is with me. The next bit's wonderful. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in ministry. There's a story behind that verse. If we read Acts chapter 12, we read about Paul's first missionary journey. It's a wonderful story. Because during this first missionary trip, Paul was, or Mark left Paul in the middle of it. He deserted him. He, he, was, he was there serving in the missionary trip, in the mission, and he, he decided to bail out and go home. He was immature in the faith. He wasn't ready for doing the work he was doing. But what we do read in Acts is that Paul was not one bit happy. In fact, furious, church. And, and, and what had happened was that, that Mark had let him down. But simply put, he wasn't ready for doing the work he was doing. But on the next trip, we see that, that Barnabas wanted um, Mark to come along with them. But Paul didn't. And what happened next, you will be very shocked that there, there was a row broke out in the camp. Imagine that, Christians having a row with one another. Unthinkable, isn't it, really? But here's what happened. There, was a, a, there arose a row between Paul and Barnabas regarding Mark. And church, there will be times that we will have disagreements regarding ministry. There will be. There will be times that we will challenge each other. It will be hard. It will be, be sore, maybe. It can cause division. But listen, division has no place in the kingdom of God. And I mean this. If you're serious about God, you'll see this. The heart of Christ must always shine through what we're doing for one another, for the Lord. With one another, for the Lord. And we see this in verse 12. Look at the turnaround. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for the ministry. And here we see that Paul has overcome his pride. He has forgiven Mark. 
the friendship's been restored, they're now together, and they're useful, they're both useful in ministry. And sometimes in ministry, we need to give people another go. Do you hear that? Sometimes in life, we need to give people another go. We need to give them a second chance. We need to give them. We need to entrust them again to the things of God. We need to give them place of opportunity in the church. Then 13, there's, a, there's also a lesson for the mature believer. If you're 43 and up today, you're a mature believer. I'm 42, I'm just still there. 43 and up, you're a mature believer. You're on the other side. You're on your way to glory. And verse 13 says this. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. Paul was an aged man, but yet he understood the importance of being in the word of God. I want to say this. There's no man in this church that's too young today to be studying the scriptures. And there's no man or woman that's too old to be in them. Right to this very end was the Apostle Paul in the word of God. Aged man in prison, facing execution. Where is the Bible? Bring them with you. Bring the books so you can study. Never ever lose that in your life. There's an old saying today that God's not speaking. Perhaps God's people aren't listening. Another one said, how can you expect God to speak if your Bible's closed? True, isn't it? I haven't heard from God in two years. I haven't read the Bible in two years. But then there's opposition in ministry. There's always opposition, isn't there? Verse 14, look at this. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, but the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Speaking to Timothy and you and I, beware of him yourself. For he strongly opposed our message. Listen, church, in ministry, people will come against us and will oppose the Lord's work. We must be aware of the Alexanders in our life and in our ministry. Those who try their best to hinder us from serving God to hold us back. And then here we see the last wee bit. There will be times that our friends just don't turn up when we expect them to turn up. Has that ever happened? Verse 16. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. What's this mean? Paul was brought to court. This was his, the day that he was going to give his defense. And nobody turned up. He was about to be accused before this judge. And none of the Christian brothers and sisters arrived and turned up on his day. Has that ever happened to you? People just didn't turn up when you expected them to turn up. That's ministry. That's life. Are you going to allow it to discourage you? Are you going to rise up like the Apostle Paul and say, well, I fought the good fight. I have run the race. Is that the type of mindset we have? Or are we walking about discouraged, defeated in our spirit? And the lesson to this is found in 20, verse 21. Do your best to come before winter. Winter speaks of a long period, doesn't it? Cold, loud time of life. The winter blues come before winter. Eubulus sends his greetings to you, as does Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. Listen, despite being let down by his friends, those who didn't bother to turn up at his hearing, Paul, in writing to Timothy, makes mention of them. He doesn't, you know, as we would sometimes exclude them to make a point, he includes them in his wee ladder. Yeah, they forsook me, but they're here. And I'm going to greet you by them. I'll say this to you, church. We've all been let down, haven't we, in life? We've all been let down. Can I say something else to you? We've all let people down as well. Haven't we? We've all let people down as well. Let us not forget that. Paul was a man of grace. He had a love for the brethren. And this allowed him to forgive those who messed up. To give the unreliable person the second chance. To, to those who were his friends and ministry who didn't turn up, he still gives them other opportunities. Let us learn from, twirl, from, from Paul. 
The overriding strength that I want us to take home today is simply in verse 17. With this, we're just finished. Put a slide six up, please. I want you to see this. Life is hard as a Christian as well as a non-Christian, but we are on about ministry. We have to be about the Father's business. There's going to be loneliness. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be abandonment. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be times that our friends just don't turn up for us. It's normal, is what Paul's saying to young Timothy. If I was speaking on behalf of Paul, I would say this. When I was at my lowest, Alexander opposed me. Demas, my good friend in the service, in the ministry, forsook me. My friends, when I really needed them, were out of town. They couldn't be there for me. On the day of my trial before Nero, my friends didn't turn up, perhaps out of fear. I felt forsaken, discouraged and weak. I needed encouraged, I needed strength, strengthened. And right before my eyes stood death waiting for me. But the one thing that I found to be true, Timothy, was this. And you need to know this, because when hardships come and disappointment comes your way, slide seven, please. Never once was I alone, Timothy, for Christ was there with me through it all. And that's the message, church. This is a man who knew what it was to be forsaken, to be at the end of his ministry, to be rejected by those closest to him. And he could say this in verse 17, but Timothy, listen, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me, church. Why? So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. And listen, Christian, perhaps this morning you feel forsaken and deflated. Listen, if you trust God, he says this, look, I'll stand by you. And I'll strengthen you. Why will he do this for you? So that you can be released and that you can, be, can bring the message to the Gentiles and proclaim Christ. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Maybe pray, or, or maybe say, Raymond, would you? I want to just pray for this, this bit of time. Church, um, are you able to stand? Could you stand uh, with me? I believe there's people here and they need released in the ministry again. And this is your time. Uh, this is your morning. In, in your life, you've, you've faced many of these things that we spoke about this morning. And perhaps loneliness and discouragement is perhaps one of the biggest cancers in ministry. And we just want to call that out today and let you know that this is part of it, um, but it doesn't dictate it. Because God says, even though this is part of it, I'm going to stand by you. It's not something, church. Paul proved it right to the very end. And, and sometimes people will abandon us, yep. There'll be those who will oppose us in our faith. Our close friends, just sometimes when we really want them to be there, we'll just not be there. That's life. It's ministry. But I want to remind you this morning that Christ is here. And he stood with Paul and he's standing with you this morning. And you know, he strengthened Paul even unto death. And we and you, or you and I, sorry, we don't know what that is yet. But when somebody gets told bad news, um, what we mentioned a few things at the start of the service, um, that can sometimes be a, the biggest reality shock that can hit any home. And all of a sudden, everything else that we once loved in this world has absolutely zero value. And that's the truth. And a love from this present world will tell you that this is everything you need. And only to let you down the last hurdle where God says, listen, in me you are complete. There's nothing else you need to do when he, when he seek after him. He look after all your needs and he stand with you. 
Now, I know there's people in this church this morning that need to know that more than many today. And, but I want to also remind each of us there's a time coming. There's a time coming. And I can't elaborate it, but I feel it in my spirit. There's a time coming that we're going to need to know that in the hardships of ministry, that God's going to be with us. Because let's put it this road, if persecution comes our road, you're going to see a mass desertion. You're going to see many people forsake Christ. You know why? Because their comfort has been taken from them. The ministry they've been doing for years has been too easy. It's not been of God. God's, the ministry of the church and the world are completely opposed to one another. They don't agree on any level. The things that the, that the world values, Christ does not value at all. We're told that the very footpaths that heaven are made of gold, that's the place where people spit their chewing gum out. There's no value at all. We tramp on with our feet. But he says, you're the most precious thing, the precious thing that can be owned, your soul. But I want to call you out this morning and there's people here that God has really been working on you in ministry. And there's, as we move ahead as a church, we are refusing to change our ministry to suit the world. <clears throat> We're no longer just going to go with the norm and, and put up with things. We're going to challenge people. We're going to cause everybody, including ourselves, to step into deeper waters. And we're going, to, we're going to bring the gospel to people. It's going to be hard. It's not going to suit everybody because, let's face it, we all like the slippers and the pipes, don't we, in a spiritual sense. So, but I, I don't want to see anybody have to forsake the ministry because they've been sold a lie. I want people to be prepared to step up. Does that, does that make sense? To step up, and that means, that means it's going to be hardship and perhaps it's already happened in your life. So I want you to, to do business with God in these moments in our closing moments, all your past hurts that have hindered you this morning, cast them down. Can you do that? Can you set them aside? All your disappointments. Can I tell you, when I was once a young man in training, I had many disappointments. The expectations I had for God, and thankfully he's given me a strong, firm foundation in here. Um, but I wanted to change the world overnight. And when I read about the 12 apostles, who 12 men turned the world upside down, I wondered why this man couldn't cause anybody to lift their eyelids. I understand the work of the ministry. It's hard. Do you want to be in the ministry, church? Do you want to be called and living out what God has called you into? Because he never called us into anything else but that, service. Service isn't about this on a Sunday. And many of you know too well what it is. It's, it's sharing Christ on the Monday. It's being laughed at on the Tuesday. It's also praying for the person on the Wednesday. It's also getting the phone call on the Thursday, but such and such is sick, would you pray for them? It's, it's hopefully leading the wee man or wee girl to the Lord on the Friday. You see? And it's hopefully coming into church on the Sunday rejoicing because through that week of hardship, the Lord stood with you. Glory to God. And you found that, that the pound or the euro doesn't give that feeling that it does when you minister to God's people. Because in him, you're complete. Glory to God. Is there an amen, church? Glory to God. So, Father, we thank you for your time this morning with us. And God, there's been perhaps too much to mulch over this morning, but one of the main truths is this, God, that, that ministry's hard. You never promised us anything else other that you would be with us right to the end. Paul took you at his word. He testified to Timothy of how faithful you were to him, even when those closest to him weren't. 
God, would you help us see that, Lord, you will bring us through. Lord, in the days where it's hard, when the days where it just doesn't make sense and we're so disappointed in what's come our way, God, would you comfort us in that and, Lord, stand with us and by us. God, fill us afresh. Lord, let us see past the temporal. Let us see into eternity. Everything we do here for you, Lord, is written into eternity. There's nothing that goes without reward. What a, what a truth. So, Father, above all things, we need faith in each of us this morning. Lord, we don't know how we're going to press on, but we know we want to press on and win people to the Lord. We want to see your church, Lord, rise up and exalt the risen Christ with their lives in song and worship and deed. And, God, we can't do this in the carnal way. So, Lord, we rebuke and we repent of all the carnal ministry that's in us and through us. And, Lord, we pray that, Father, you would, Lord, Lord, lead us in the old paths. Lord, lead us in them paths, Lord God, of righteousness, where the anointing sits, where, where ordinary men and women get to, to share Christ, Lord, and lead people to the Lord. Where ordinary men and women get to pray into the darkest situations that bring light to us. God, because that's what you've called us to, Lord God, where there's power. Lord, there's no power in carnal ministry. It's tired, it's frustrating. But Lord, when we walk in the Spirit and serve in the Spirit of God, there's life and there's change. Lord, and there's joy springs up. Lord, so Lord, we pray for each person today and each heart, each home. And Father, for many of us, it's a different, Lord, day. It's a different journey. For all of us, in fact, it's a different journey. But Father, there's not one of us you didn't promise to be with us. So Lord, as we close in our last song, Father, would you minister to hearts? Lord, let us not just sing words, but let us really believe what we're saying. What a faithful God you are. And God, fill us afresh with that, that spirit of boldness and of ministry. Help us to concern, discern what, what's of you and what's of the world. And Lord, take the right steps. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.